17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Welcome back, everybody, to the Winning Drive podcast. Of course, I am Rita Hubbard, a.k.a. the NFL Chick, co-host of Ravens Postgame Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan. And I'm Cordell Woodland, host of Shaking It Up Sports on 105.7 The Fan, as well as the station's Ravens Beat Reporter. So, Cordell, I mean, I, I hope that we can move on from this and say on to Cincinnati, but it feels like this may linger similar to the Dolphins game of a couple weeks ago. We're going to try to get y'all through it (laughs) because clearly this is like some PTSD in terms of like the, the the late collapses um, for the Ravens this season. Uh, So hopefully we can have some guys come back. As you know, we're heading into week five, which means there's guys that are coming off of the pup list. And the, the most important ones that we uh, talk about is Gus Edwards, running back, and Tyus Bowser, uh, linebacker, as well as Kolar, the rookie tight end, who we haven't seen in action yet, but, you know, we were anticipating seeing. So, you know, uh, we heard Coach Harbaugh say that Gus Edwards will be practicing soon, which I'm going to be honest with you, Cordell. I Gus was a guy that I was concerned was going to come back at all. Like, I was starting to wonder if this injury was worse than what we knew. It's kind of similar to how, like, we found out J.K. Dobbins' injury was not, you know, just an ACL. It was more things to it. But then you have a situation um, where it just felt like Gus was having a slower process of healing. So to hear that he potentially will be practicing soon to me is like a great sign. Cause I, I I'm not gonna lie to you. I was not too optimistic about that in terms of um, outside linebacker, Tyus Bowser doesn't appear that he will be practicing soon. Although, you know, we do do the Tyus Bowser show. He always seems very optimistic, says that he feels good and, you know, he'll be ready to go soon. So I don't know if, if, if Tyus is doing a JK where he might be setting himself up and the team is like, hey, slow down a little bit. Yeah. Or, you know, if he really does feel this way. And then the situation with Kolar, you know, obviously that's fluid. We're, we're, we're not really... I don't expect to see him either. The Ravens have already um, said those things. So uh, with Gus Edwards, how optimistic are you? Because I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was a little shocked to hear that he would be practicing soon. Same. Same. Uh, I thought Gus, you know, I thought if we were going to see Gus, it wouldn't be until later on in the year. And to be honest, I, I really wouldn't have been surprised if we didn't see Gus at all this season. Um, but it's good that he'll be out there. And to be honest, they they need him right yes, now. They still going down with a hamstring injury. Um, that that leaves a gaping hole right now in that backfield that had kind of been getting back to form over the last two weeks, in large part due to Justice Hill's con- contribution. So with him not there now, uh, a lot of the the responsibility is going to fall on J.K. Dobbins, and I don't know if J.K. is necessarily ready for that. I think the good part right. about having Justice Hill back there is the fact that he has made it so that it gives J.K. Dobbins that room and that time to kind of build himself back up. But with Justice Hill not there, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake, the guys who you really got nothing from in the running game the first two weeks yeah um and even with Gus Edwards getting back to the practice field who knows when we'll see him on the game field 
you know, I'm, I would imagine it's going to be a couple of weeks yeah. before he's out there. And he's not out of the woods yet. You know, coming off the pup list just means I think you have you can practice twenty six days or something. It's a certain I amount. 20, of days, a I believe of weeks. it's twenty one days. I believe it's three days. weeks. So yeah, after after weeks. week seven, they if somehow he's not practicing, they have to put him on IR. So, yeah. so um, yeah, still got to see you know what happens within these next three weeks or so uh, to see if he can even work his his way back up the play, but. You know, I'm optimistic at this point that he can. Uh, the fact that we we're here where we are now, and the first week that he's eligible to come off the the pup list, he's practicing. That's a very good sign. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, because again, I, I I think this running game is in big trouble going forward if J.K. Dobbins has to be your lead guy right now. It's not that I don't believe in J.K. Dobbins, but it's just that right. I'm being realistic in him trying to still recover. And look, Sunday was a great step in the right direction. He gets his first two touchdowns of the season. Um, he actually is showing more signs of him getting back to being himself. But that burst isn't is still not there yet. I, I watched him try to put on a couple of moves in the open field, and they weren't really working. He wasn't making anybody miss. But as far as him breaking tackles and not going down off the first contact and being able to – I mean, I think his, his his carry load definitely went up uh, this week as opposed to the week before J.K. had 13 carries this game. So, you know, he's he's moving up. I think he had seven the week before. So, you know, they're trying to add on to his workload week by week. But with this with this Justice Hill injury, it's like how many how many carries can you just give away to to like Mike Davis and those guys? I, I just don't know. Um, but definitely a good sign that Gus Edwards is on his way back. Tyus Bowser, I think Tyus will be on his way back. And it's crazy. At one point, we thought that, you know, we might see Tyus as the first one back off this list before we saw a, a Gus Edwards, at least. And it's just, you know, that's just the way it works. Everybody's body is different. You never know what can happen. Um, but I do expect to see Tyus at some point. He has he's been out there practice with these guys a lot, not practicing with the team but rehabbing on one of the side fields and stuff. He's been out right. there quite a bit. So um, I'm not surprised to see him continuing to trend in that direction. We'll see when we get him on the field. But Charlie Kohler, that's kind of the one position that they can afford to kind of wait on. They have exactly. the tight ends. They can be patient with Kohler uh, and to, to, to decide when he uh, ultimately makes his return to the field. But this is a team that, They've been fighting injuries all the way going back to last year. And anytime that they have an opportunity to finally get some guys back, I think, I think it's a good sign. Yes, I agree. I mean, listen, I don't, I can't miss something that I've never had in the situation of Kolar. <laughs> I have no, no idea what I'm missing there. Right. And you already mentioned the depth at the tight end position. So why, you know, I feel like that that's the one we can ease back. Obviously we know that, <laughs> The Ravens need Tyus Bowser back, but you don't want to rush him back. You want him to make sure because look, the season is long. Mm -hmm. There's so many more games to be played and you don't want to rush somebody back. You do know that we, we will be talking to Tyus. He has this um, show that we do Glenn and myself um, on Tuesdays. I will be asking him, how is he mm -hmm. feeling and when can I expect him back? Now I don't know if he's going to tell me the truth or if right. he's, you know, you know, going to just give me a, a, a lie, but I'm going to ask him. Cause I want to know, I want to know how you feel. I want to know if you think that by week seven, you'll be out on the football field and listen, the guy, 
had an injury week 17 deep in the fourth quarter or was it even overtime I, kn- I just know it was very late in that mm-hmm. game and that was January like literally nine months ago from an Achilles tear so I don't know if we're like forcing him back a little too soon because back in the day Achilles injuries you was out for a whole year like a calendar yeah. year yeah. So if he finds his way back, I don't know, week 12, I mean, week 12, week 14. Look, that's to me, that's tremendous within itself. Um, I think we look at Cam Akers and say, well, if Cam Akers was able to recover so fast, then why can't th- – that's not how this works. Everybody's body yeah. is different, right? But it, it appears that Tyus has um, started, you know, healing early. He was in a shoe earlier than, you know um, – typically like the, a doctor would think that he would have been back in the shoe. So mm-hmm. his progress has been early, which is good. You still don't want to rush him though. You know, right. you, you have a need for him to be, you know, a productive part of this team. And and if it's not going to be until after week seven, hopefully by the 21 days, he's able to practice and we can, you know, go from there and see how that works. But I mean, we'd be lying if we say that, you know, we didn't hope that he like miraculously finds, a, you know, uh, finds a way to make it on this field because they need him. I think listening to Harbs on Monday kind of, Put that, put the onus on Tyus as well. Said it, you know, it's it's up to Tyus when he gets yeah. back out there. He's Harms is pushing everything on these players right now because I think, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's look, he's done this with Ronnie, and we see that this offensive line has been one of the big question marks of this year so far, especially at that left tackle spot. Um, and he's now putting a putting in the same type of onus on Tyus Bowser and you look at the Ravens and they're not just the defense as a whole that hasn't been good this year, but the linebacking group has been terrible this year. Uh, Flat out. The linebacker group has been terrible. So I think he is, you know, I think the Ravens are a little desperate right now to get some of their key guys back um, because sitting at two and two right now, you got the Bengals coming in. You got a couple of more, you got a couple more tough games coming up. The giants, the, the bucks, the saints, you know, they. I think they're they're looking at this like we need to get as close to full strength as possible because right now it's not looking good. It's it's not looking good uh, for these guys on both sides of the ball in their own individual rights right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that they, you know, the sooner that they can get guys like Ronnie Stanley and Tyus Bowser and Gus Edwards back on the football field. I think I think the better they think they'll be. And I, I have to agree. Absolutely. One hundred and ten percent. And then, like you said, getting back to um, the running back situation, like, listen, I, I I what is the status in terms of Justice Hill? Do we know for sure? Well, Harb said that it was, he didn't expect it to be nothing very long term. You know, I think it's, it sounds like it'll be a couple of weeks, okay. uh, but it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to necessarily keep him out for the remainder of the season uh which is which is a good sign especially considering that justice hill missed uh all of last year uh but he said it's not a serious hamstring doesn't mean that he won't be out for a little bit but he's not it's not going to be one of those long-term hamstrings but my thing is hamstring injuries always worry me because they're they're it's, yeah, it's they're a, it's, it's, yeah, it's 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 a injury that doesn't go away yep. over time. Ask Deshaun Jackson. 
every time Deshaun Jackson will come back in a game from a hamstring injury. He never finishes it because as soon as he tries to put it into like the fifth gear, there goes the hamstring again. So, yeah, and this is, you know, another fast guy in Justice Hill uh, and who was clearly showing an amazing burst this year um, is, is just so it's, it's so disheartening for him because of how hard he had to work back to yeah. recover back from his ACL injury last year. And then he gets here and, you know, it's the hamstring injury and he's playing well. He's really reviving this run game. Uh, but we'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, hamstring injuries always concern. Yeah. And, and, and so I brought that up just to say how important it is to find a way to get Gus back in because you're mm-hmm. already building up your injuries from a running back perspective. We have no confidence in Mike Davis, no. um, King and Drake, out of, you know, look, now he's going to have to play no. because he's going to have to play because Justice Hill can't play. Right. right. Like one of those guys got to play or two of those guys got to play now. You know what I mean? I think it'll because be telling if, if Justice, if uh, King and Drake ends up coming back and, getting more carries than Mike Davis does. Kenyon Drake has been a healthy scratch the last two weeks. At least Mike Davis has been activated. If he's, if Kenyon Drake is activated this week and he ends up with more of a workload than Mike Davis, it's like, what are we? <laughs> well, what, what, what we're what, doing what, is, what we're doing. So, and so the theories for me is that Kenyon Drake is a healthy scratch because Kenyon Drake, Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins could, could all be some and somewhat the same category where Mike right. Davis is different. Right. Mike Davis could be more what we consider in the Gus category. So it makes sense that the better two players are J.K. and Justice Hill flat out. Right? right. They've been here longer. They know the system, you know, and and quite frankly, they, they're just better at what they do at that moment. Um but I agree with you. Look, I mean, Mike Davis is just a body at this point. <laughs> like, let's be honest with ourselves. Mike Davis is a body until he just heating up the seat until we find a way to get Gus Edwards back on that football field. And, yeah. and I, I hope and pray that Gus Edwards will be available to come back because this team does need him. They need his bruising, fast running game that that you know, quite frankly, makes defenses nervous. Mike Davis ain't making nobody nervous. And- he ain't, you know, and, and and Gus Edwards is the type of back that the Ravens needed in their last two, in their two losses this year. You talk about a team that has not been able to put teams away, haven't been able to really run the ball to kind of milk the clock. That's right up Gus Edwards' alley right there. You Absolutely. know, that's the, that's the that's the type of back you want in the fourth quarter when you have a lead to kind of wind the to to shorten the game, so to speak. Um, so I, I definitely think that he's going to be a big impact in that regard because the Ravens simply cannot close out games right now. And I think a large part of that is because they can't consistently run the ball enough to where they can stay on schedule as well as milk the clock. And I think that combination of Gus Edwards and J.K. will give them that. I completely agree. So hopefully we will see JK's, um, excuse me, Gus Edwards soon. Hopefully Tyus will find a way to get back on the field soon. Again, they have 21 days after um, their pup ex- exhausts to find a way back on the practice field. If not, then I believe they have to go on um, injured reserve. So crossing our fingers, we can get those guys back because we need them real bad. Oh, real yeah. Bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, if you are enjoying the Winning Drive podcast, make sure that you have subscribed to it. So that way, every time we have a new episode, you will be the first to get it. It comes straight to your phone. As soon as it gets uploaded, you'll get the the icon. Winning Drive has a new episode. So make sure that you are subscribed to Winning Drive. 
All right, Cordell. So listen, there's a lot of bad things that we could say about um, the Ravens at two and two, right? Uh, they can't finish games. They they can't find a way to put together a solid performance. The offense does this, and then the defense, you know, finds a way to mess it up for them. The defense does this, and then the offense can't score no points. No, like, they can't just, like, have one complete game where everybody's in sync at the same time to find a way to close these big games against opponents that they quite clearly were, were well up on, right? Mm -hmm. But let's try to find some silver lining in this. Um, what is it? about this team that you feel like even though they've struggled in certain areas maybe they've trended up or do you feel like they haven't trended up and that this is we're just doomed and we're gonna be like well can't say 500 anymore because of 17 games but right. like oh some nine and eight eight and nine team are we doomed or do you feel like there's some silver linings that you're learning as we're going you know week to week uh in terms of improvement well i I predicted that they would be a 10 and 17 this year. Um, and I thought that when we got to week 18 and they have to go to Cincinnati, I felt like that game would be for the division. And ultimately I felt like they'd lose. Um, I still think that this is a playoff team, uh, but are they, uh, are they running the risk of being the typical Ravens team that we've seen over the last few years where they're a playoff team, but they're basically one and done. I think so. I think it's look, it's trending in that direction right now. I mean, and I guess you could take that as a positive making the playoffs. That's a positive, but you know, I think that that story is kind of worn out here in Baltimore as far as the Ravens being going to the playoffs and losing in their first uh their first game. Um I try to the, the positive here in this two and two start, they've only trailed for 14 seconds this season you know, uh, in, their, in, yeah. the, in the two losses. They've only trailed for 14 seconds. So take that as for what you will. They, they, they dominated the game, or not even dominated, but they've had the lead for most of these games. And for whatever reason, they just have not been able to close it out. Yep. Another positive, you do have Lamar Jackson, and I understand Lamar's coming off his worst game of the season. Yeah. Uh, but it's still Lamar Jackson, still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, still one of the best players in the league. I still think Lamar is in the MVP race right now, but that game against the buff against the bills uh, clearly was not his best game of the season. Um, I don't know how many more positives I can name right, <laughs> right now. Uh, as far as this, well, they're getting healthier, you know, you, I yeah. think they're solace in that they're getting healthier right now. JK Dobbins is trending up. Ronnie Stanley looks, I mean, I'm thinking that this is going to be the week. And I ha and I know we got to be careful. When oh, oh, sure. Why do you think that, friend? What has given you the inkling that this, this is man is going to come back this week? Because I give me that 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 feeling. Because I want well, that feeling. You know, I've been I've been pessimistic about it really all season, about when we see Ronnie. To this point, I have not said I think this is going to be the week that we see Ronnie. To 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 that point. So I, I'm feeling more optimistic just because I'm kind of using the 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 uh, pattern that J.K. Dobbins was on where he had to log two full weeks of uh, full participants in practice. Uh, Stanley didn't do that last week. I get it because he didn't practice Friday, but Wednesday and Thursday, Stanley was full participants in practice. Mm -hmm. I think Friday was kind of that rest day. Now, obviously, this week will be telling what his 
what he looks like in practice this week, how much he's able to practice. If he can put together a full week of practice this week, and I think the big key will be whether or not he practices on Friday. I wouldn't even be shocked if he's a limited participant on Friday because that's just going to – they want to – I think that they still are on this competitive advantage stuff, and it would not shock me if he's a limited participant in practice just to leave the question marks in the air because if he's a full participant all week, it'll kind of be like, okay, he's most likely going to play. But if he's a – if he's a limited, it's it's still up in the air. Um, but I, I would just have to believe, you know, that he's talking last week and he's talking about how good he's feeling and how he thinks he can go, he can play even better than he did his all pro year and how, you know, he he wants so he has so much to prove and he's ready to do it. And if that's what you want to say, man, I gotta see it. And it's like, how much longer can we wait? I think we're out of excuses at this point. I think we're out of excuses. I think excuses expired last week. And it's like, we're in that now or never phase. And I think if he doesn't play this week, I I think it's really in that territory of like, okay, are we just not going to see Ronnie Stanley this year? And I've been trying not to overreact. But that's, I don't think that that's an overreaction. Pup. I don't consider that to be an no, overreaction. No, it's not. You know, yeah, I mean, they didn't put him on pup. It's yeah. like okay, and he missed the first exactly. full week. So which they probably should have, right? Like at this point, right. like maybe you should. If he doesn't play week five, maybe you should have put him on pup because then that way we w- we are not having this conversation every week from from the time right. that he started practicing right before week one to week five, wondering what day he's coming back. Right. Yeah, the and only- then that way, that way, the four weeks is off the table. Then right. you got the 21 day grace period right. of, of, of practicing. Now, I get that they I get that the I get why they didn't, because right. they wanted him to get the valuable reps in during training right. camp. Get it. Or Well, he came at the end of training camp, obviously. Right. But I get it. Right. But it's not doing. Look, we've come to the point. It's not doing anybody a favor in that regard. And so I am. I. I'm frustrated and I'm on the outside looking in. So I can't imagine what the Ravens organization is feeling because I've seen Ronnie Stanley since he's gotten that contract two times the week after. And when he got hurt, obviously not no fault of his own, but whatever. And then the week, the week one against the Raiders when he re you know, he re-injured the Mm -hmm. injury. So this is not an investment at this point. It's become a liability. And, and and I've, I've said this since, We've talked about this since we started this podcast, quite frankly, Cordell. I have said he ain't rushing to come back because he has no need to. He has no need to rush to come back because he got his money. Mm-hmm. And he's basically proving my point. <laughs> you know what At I mean? At this point, he, he is. And like like you said, you know, that's the only that's the only perk for not putting him on the pup is that he could still practice. So if he plays this week, then okay, cool. I understand it. Because if he, assuming he was on pup, he wouldn't even be able to start practicing until this week. And if that's the case, God only knows when we would see him because yep. he would have the 21, he would have the three day, the three weeks um to go out there and practice. And it's like, okay, if he's not able to get on the field in that time, he's gonna have to go on IR. So at least this not putting him on pup opens the door for him to kind of return whenever this season yeah um so that's that that's the one good thing but yeah it's like like i said it's it's now or never for me i'm i'm just kind of and i thought daniel father like i'm kind of going to double down on that after rewatching it 
Uh, again, I thought Falele played decently on he Sunday. He did. He decently. did. Well, guy has uh, never yeah. played it before. So, look, that's a silver lining. I mean, right. hey, take it. it, is. Take it, it is. the full left tackle, and he actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, and I'm not saying he had a clean sheet because he didn't, specifically on the fourth and goal play. He and Morgan Moses were both beat on that play, which is, you know, why Lamar had to backpedal almost 20 yards before yep. he was able to throw the ball. But I thought he played decently, all things considered, especially his one-on-one reps against Von Miller were actually pretty good. He's a this is a strong guy in Fale. He is. Uh, he is. And I think you can see the difference in him once he starts to build that confidence up. He he definitely played better as the game went on. Um, but even still, you need Ronnie Stanley out there. You want your all pro at that left tackle spot. And like I said, I, I think. It's got to be this week. Other than that, two and two. I, yeah. I'm, I think it's, you know, it's solace in that. Look, you, the, the two losses have come to two teams that are viewed as one of the better teams in the AFC right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and, and, those, and look, we didn't even, we in terms of silver line, and though, before we go to our next segment, we didn't even talk about the defense. I, I really, you and I have both said we didn't think that this defense was as bad as the paper mm-hmm. said it is. I think that there's a lot of things that, you know, come into play. Youth, um, new to co- new coordinator, mm-hmm. and, and that, that leads to things like miscommunication and, and, and busted coverages and things. But I, I thought last week they played really, really well against the Bills. And everybody wants to keep saying, well, they gave up 20 unanswered points. Yeah, that's because the other team, the other side didn't score. Right. <laughs> that's what unanswered means. It means that the offense did not score points. And then that happened, right? So, you know, I, I look, they held Stefan Diggs to zero touchdowns. They held um, Josh Allen to a QBR under 70. And so, listen, yes, we talked about the linebacker position. We talked about how weak it is and how they need to fix it. However, I thought that they did well in the terms of a pass rush. I thought that they, and, and you know, they got pressure on Josh Allen. They didn't like keep him comfortable. The problem is that he's he's like a bowling ball at running yeah. back, right? And he can get out of the pocket and he can move around. But he was not like just sitting back there all day on Sunday. And I thought that the secondary did what they were supposed to do. Because if you can take out their best player, then you know that then you did your job and mm-hmm. so i believe that they'll continue to get better they'll continue to trend up um you, you'll eventually hopefully get justin houston back jpp will get better reps more reps not better but more and hopefully that this defense you know we finally saw a little splash from away finally mm-hmm. you know what i mean hopefully they can grow from that so to me that was the silver lining of what i saw sunday they, to me they trended up every week and yeah, you hope I, that this is something that continues. I agree. The defense definitely did as good of a job as you could ask for, possibly. Yeah. I mean, outside of that last drive, you'd like to get a stop when you know the game is on the line. You know, it's nice to not let them walk up the field. But yeah. other than that, I thought they were they were pretty good. It's just the one thing that worries me is, can they get a stop without forcing a turnover? Because, you know, when they were able to force turnovers, they look good. Yeah. And But you get to the second half, the Bills scored on every possession outside of the one drive where Oway gets the sack on third down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one thing that worries me is like, okay, forcing turnovers, that's great. Always yep. great. But can you get stops throughout the game even when you're not forcing turnovers? Can you get more than just two guys a game to get pressure? 
Patrick Queen, everybody has their knocks on Patrick Queen, and I get it. Patrick Queen is dropping interceptions. He's not making the plays that are there for him to make. Um, but everybody's saying bench him, and it's like, who are you going to bench him for? You you look at the quarterback hits this year. Patrick Queen has been their most consistent guy as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. They can't afford to sit a guy like that right now because who else are you getting that type of consistent pressure yeah. from? Um, he leads the team in quarterback hits, and I think it's not even close right now. And that's just off the top of my head, but I don't, I don't think it's close. Uh, and I just think that right now you're talking about a guy that, man, he 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 has to make the that are in front of, no doubt yes. about it. Um, he's got to tackle better. Yeah, he ain't. I mean, Josh Bynes looks slow, very slow. No, so Josh like, Bonds has been in the league for yeah. over a decade. He was I, on the I'm, Super Bowl right. team. I'm, I'm hip. I'm hip. So there's that. I mean, you know, like, what do we – listen, you need you need to do something in the linebacking yeah. court. I, I love Josh Bonds. I think that he – he, what he does is filling. Right. Um, But they need more yeah. from that core group of guys. They need more consistency. They need more speed. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's it's – listen, it ain't working. It ain't, that's why when Roquan Smith was somebody he wanted to trade, everybody was like, hey, do we have any money? Do we have any draft picks? Because we need a guy. Oh, like I mean, and honestly, I've I watched these games and I'm like, man, I watch, but I'm watching the Monday night football game and I'm watching Bobby Wagner go out there and blow plays. I don't even up. want to talk about Bobby Wagner because I mean, guess what? Guess what, Cordell? He wasn't coming here anyway. He I ain't saying he was. I, I'm, he, I'm, I'm, more so, I'm more so talking about just the difference maker. Oh, I said, okay. Got it. Because I was going to say he wasn't coming here. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when it comes down to money, that's usually going to be uh, 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 the – well, route for people to be to fair, though, he's an L.A. Home. native. So, I mean, he really just was using it to try to go back home, which I can't never be mad at him. Somebody right. wants to go home. That's what's going to happen. Right. But yeah. I get your point. He look, he, look, he's even tackling naked right. streakers right. out there. Like, like hitting them hard. every everybody was getting it. And I, I just feel like the Ravens <laughs> need they need a difference maker on that second level right now. No. They don't have that. And you mentioned Roquan Smith. I think Roquan Smith will be great at that position but again it's going to come down to the money and that's the whole reason he wants out of you know part of i think a big reason why he wants out of chicago not the only reason uh for sure because the bears stink but i i think it's as far as like him and why he wouldn't be in baltimore is not because he couldn't fit in his defense it's simply because financial reasons um but at some point they've got to do something i mean and i get it i have people calling into my show to asking why haven't they addressed a bunch of issues that they have on defense through the draft and stuff. And my response is they've tried. (laughs) They drafted Oway in the first round. They drafted Patrick Queen in the first round. They drafted Kyle Hamilton in the first round. They drafted Pepe Williams, Jalen Armour Davis, Travis Jones. They have tried. It's just the fact that most of these picks have not panned out to be what everybody wanted them to be. And when you whiff, and whiff and whiff, it it comes back to bite you at yep. some point. And I think right now they have a roster full of guys who are who who are still riding the the wave of potential and not results. Yep. Um, and it's killing them. I think it's killing them. And you see it when they go up against teams like Buffalo, when they go up against teams like the Dolphins, who mm-hmm. have these playmakers on both sides of the ball. And 
I just don't think that the Ravens have it, uh, that they can kind of keep up with a lot of these teams at a talent level perspective. I think the Ravens have top heavy talent. When you look at guys like Lamar and Mark Andrews Mm -hmm. and, you know, Peters and Humphrey and Williams, but it's that second tier, their second tier talent does not level out with everybody else's the elite teams their second tier talent I just feel like it's better and you see it when you watch them play teams like they played on Sunday they can't hang because they can't make those difference making plays throughout the course of the game that other teams are making I completely agree with that. Well, this was supposed to be about silver linings. We still talk about it. I tried. I tried. Hey, man, we tried. We did the best that we could, man. Look, <laughs> the Ravens just got to do better. And that's really what it boils down to. They, they, even in all their flaws, even with all, all these situations that they lack, they, they're still too much of a talented team to be going through what they're going through. So we just expect better. And that's just what it is. And, and that's, we tried. We did the best. Two and two is still better than one and three. I Absolutely. Mean, two, no doubt. You're tired for first in the division. You got a, a division game coming up this weekend. Yep. I mean, you could be in a worse spot. Absolutely. 110%. All right, guys, uh, before we get to our last segment, make sure that you are subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that you can get all of the new episodes when they come down. All right. We're going to have to keep talking about this fourth down play because everybody wants to talk about it. And that's fine. Let's talk about it. Um, You know, Harbaugh made a decision. Didn't go well. Fine. Everybody wants him fired. You're doing the most. By the way, if you're one of mm-hmm. those people, criticizing him is completely okay. I get it. Um, he deserves it. Firing him uh, with a two and two record. Oh yeah, by the way, that's tied for first place and wanting to start all over again. Uh, it's absurd, and that's me putting it nicely. But mm-hmm. whatever, no matter the thing. Um, this is what Harbaugh had to say in doubling down on his fourth down decision. Offenses, with, you know, who are behind are way more aggressive. They've got nothing to lose. They're going to go for it because just like against the Patriots, when you're behind, you throw the ball up, you get you got a chance to get interceptions. But when you're tied, you throw the ball up and you get an interception down there, you turn the ball over. You know, we're kicking the field goal, run the clock out and winning the game. Or I think we got a great chance. I can completely trust our defense with the ball at the two-yard line to get a stop there. They punt us to the 50. We run it down into field goal range. We run the timeout and we kick the game-winning field goal. And that, that was the thinking. So rather than put them in a situation for a field goal, you know, in that situation at the 25-yard line with four minutes left, I'm thinking either seven or I'm thinking the ball's at the two-yard line. And I really stand by that decision, 100%. So as you can see, um, he feels strongly about going for it on fourth down. He believes that the analytics was it, it, all right. And it's crazy because um, you have people that, you know, are, are with him. You have um, Aaron uh, Shates from Football Outsiders that was on Glenn Clark's show saying that, yes, what he maybe it was the execution, maybe it was the call that was wrong, but going forward on fourth down in that situation was the right call. You also had Dan Orlovsky on ESPN saying the same thing. There are people that agree with the fact that you have to go for it on fourth down. There's a lot of people that's saying that, well, it's because that Harbaugh didn't trust the defense. And, and I don't think that that's the case. I personally don't think that that's the case. I think it literally is an analytics thing that, that they're saying this is a better sell in order to win this football game as opposed to the three points. So, okay, here we are. 
it didn't go. My issue, Cordell, is not the fourth down call, right? I'm not going to lie to you. I have preferred them to go for the points, and that's new, normally not like me. But I'm going to tell you why I, I preferred that. I knew they wasn't going to get it. I feel like in as much as Greg Roman has done well, the one thing that he does horribly is find the right plays on third and short and fourth and short. Um, and that's and that and in goal line situations, we talked about this the other day. I have no idea why the Ravens don't want, particularly when you have a situation at the running back position that you do have. Why are you not letting Pat Ricard be the next Mike Allstott? You already need running backs. You already need bruises. Why aren't you just giving him the ball? Let him try to get in there. And so. I hated to call on first and goal, hated to call on second and goal, hated to call on third and goal, hated to call on fourth and goal. When it comes to that type of situations, I hate what the Ravens do in those critical situations. Don't have a problem with going forward on fourth down. Got a problem with the execution. Got a problem with the play calling. And that's where I stand with that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, number one, I get that the analytics are a big part in what the Ravens do, and especially when it comes down to their fourth down decisions. Um, I would have just been cool with Hobbs not even mentioning the analytics, to be honest. I would have been cool if Hobbs had came out like, look, I felt like we needed to get a touchdown there instead of a field goal. I don't believe he trusted his defense. I know he said he did, uh, but I don't believe he trusted his defense. The, the, the Bills scored on every drive except one in the second half, and we saw what happened even after the interception. They literally walked up the field. They could have scored a touchdown if they really wanted to. Um, I, I just don't think that there was any reason to trust the defense and that's okay because the defense has not been trustworthy to this point. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think he would have been wrong in that right. regard. Uh, right. that said, I, I, I agreed with him going forward on fourth down. Look, I'm an aggressive guy. I'm always going to be down with I, one of my biggest pet peeves in football is kicking a field goal inside the five. What are we doing? Yeah. Inside the five, you are this is football. Is you is is man on man. You don't trust your guys to get you two yards, two yeah. yards. So yeah. at that point, fourth and goal from the two, I'm going for it every time. Every time. Because you it's not a you don't know when the next time you're gonna be inside the five. Um, it's the calls. It's the calls for me. The call was bogus. I thought it was a terrible call. I hate the five wide passing. I, unless you're going to run a quick pick play or something like that, which didn't necessarily look like what they did. It looked like they ran sort some sort of spot, uh, some sort of spout uh, spot type of route concept on the right side, which is where Duvernay got open at. It looked like Duvernay ran the uh, outside post from the inside and somebody from the out, the outside receiver came and sat down, did a, like a short curl and sat down. And that's how Duvernay got open because both of their defenders basically kind of ran into each other. And he just used that to get to the outside. I don't think Duvernay was the, the main target because if he was, I think Lamar would have hit him. I think that's yeah. why Lamar took so long to find Duvernay is because number one, he had the pressure in his face, but also yeah. number two, he had to go off of his first read. And I would imagine Mark Andrews was his first read because when is he not? And right. I think everybody knew that that's who he wanted to go to. Yep. Um, my issue is you say you're different, be different, call different stuff, break. <laughs> <tendency. laughs> 
Cause my thing, you go back to last year and the Ravens going forward on fourth down and the two point conversions, and they 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 failed on a lot of those in key situations. Now overall, they were good on fourth downs last year, eighteen for twenty seven to sixty seven percent. Not terrible, not terrible. Two point conversions, they were two for eight, two for eight on two point conversions. And yeah. you know what the two point conversions are done from? They're done from the two yard line. So, which is exactly where they called the where their fourth and goal was. They ha- whatever short yardage packages they have of plays, they need to throw it out because they are showing me that they don't know how to call the right play in those situations. And while I want you to be aggressive, and while I will always condone going forward on fourth and short when you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, if you can't faithfully call the right play in those situations you don't need to go for it you don't need to go for it because you're ultimately killing yourself you're killing yourself if you can't come together with the right type of play call in those situations you need to just kick a field goal and take the points there I know you don't want to be conservative but you can't leave with nothing and I've been on the board of they should go for it in that situation and I'm standing by that but I think going forward they're going to have to change some of these play calls that they make in these situations because they're simply not working. Well, I don't understand why they don't, when they went for it, I, I was watching the, the uh, replay of the chiefs game last year with the Ravens, where the Ravens beat the chiefs and that to seal that game, they went for it on a fourth and one, their play call was a quarterback power and Lamar got like two yards on the play. Why would you not call? St- I like when they call those plays. I don't like the fullback, or I don't not not necessarily the fullback guys, because I don't have a problem with them giving it to Ricard in those situations. But I'm not crazy about halfback dives or giving the ball to a running back to go straight into the gut of the offense. Like that that stuff is played out. That that's, yeah. that's that should have died decades ago. It's done. <laughs> no, they're, they're ready for it. Now a quarterback power where you're letting Lamar run off of your tackle or your guard Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm with that because you got to go with, in those types of situations, you got to go with your bread and butter. What plays do you execute best? Mm -hmm. It's It's your quarterback design runs. Why Mm -hmm. would you not call that when you only need two yards? That's the kind of thing for me. I just feel like they overthink it at times and try to get too cute and want to throw the ball, just run the ball into the end zone. They wouldn't have been able to stop it. But, look, Harbs is going to continue to get questioned when he does that. And, honestly, I I think Harbs is going to continue to do what he does. I think he's going to continue to be himself. He wants to be aggressive. Again, when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson at quarterback, it opens the door for you to be aggressive. But if you're going to do it, you got to make sure you're making the right call. Yeah. I completely agree. Y- y'all got to find a better way to make these calls. If you're going to be, if you're going to try to be successful, make the right calls, man. Cause that's the, that's my issue. The issue is simply the fact that I don't, I feel like the vault don't have good calls on fourth and short or, or fourth and go, or, you know, I'm sorry. I don't, the vault got to be up upgraded or something because, you know, he can call a good game and I'm not taking that away from him, but when he gets into these tight situational situ- um, uh, uh, downs, that's where they fail. And, and that's, you know, my issue with them. And it will continue to be my issue until they find a way to figure it out. <clears throat> Adding Pat Ricard into the mix, because you've done it before you, you rolled out 
and let him go free. And then he finds a way in the end zone. Don't understand why we're just not doing that anymore. Yeah, or maybe, maybe they sense. should they should take some still some plays from somebody else that calls these fourth down calls because the Ravens <laughs> this year on fourth downs, they're two for five on fourth okay. downs, but their opponents so on 20, fourth so down this year success rate. Seven point seven seven for nine. That's seventy eight percent. Dang, seventy eight percent that their opponents convert on fourth downs against them. That's Unreal. not good. Unreal. All right. Uh, before we say uh, thank you, we just want to shout out Jimmy Smith for yeah. his retirement. Um, you know, with the Ravens. By the way, I mentioned this on Twitter back in July that he was going to do this. Now the rumor was that he was going to do it during training camp, but I guess that they, maybe they told him to wait. I don't know, but now it's official. Jimmy Smith is now retired uh, as a Raven drafted in 2012. I believe it's, it's because he played his rookie year when they won the Super Bowl. I truly believe Jimmy Smith, if healthier um, would be, we would have way more conversations about Jimmy Smith. I feel like sometimes he's an afterthought because of his injury history, but mm -hmm. ultimately I think that Jimmy Smith um, still is, was a great player for this organization. Not sure if they find a way to put him in the ring of honor, but I think that, you know, if they did, I would, I'm cool with it because I think that Jimmy Smith has deserved to be in that right. Yeah. I was happy for Jimmy to be able to retire. Um, you know, on kind of on his own terms. I mean, he did say that, you know, his body is kind of the thing that's pushing him into retirement. Just he's just tired of having to work back from injury after injury. And he, you know, that's a big part of Jimmy's career, his injuries, and he owned up to that. And it's nothing a player can do about that. They can't control the injuries. The NFL has a hundred percent success rate. But it's no doubt that when he was on the field, he was an impact player. Um won a Super Bowl with the team, had impact plays in that Super Bowl, uh, and ultimately over the years has been one of the constant vets uh, in that locker room. And you talk about players that personify the Ravens' personality or play the Ravens' way. I think Jimmy Smith is definitely one of those guys. Uh, you could tell he has a really good relationship with with Harbs and the rest of the guys there. Yep. Um, definitely, I, I, I was there at his – as a retirement presser on, on Monday. And I was definitely happy for him. You know, he talked about how it took him time to mature and everything like that. And I kind of just asked him about, you know, how happy or how fulfilling it was to be able to, you know, start off and mature and make mistakes, but ultimately be able to win a Super Bowl. And now you're sitting here retiring from the organization that drafted you, you know, you played mm -hmm. for one team your entire career. Not a lot of players can say that they did that. So uh, he was definitely happy about that. Just being able everything that he's achieved throughout his career and um, being able to retire as a Raven, I think meant a lot to him. And yeah. um, as far as the ring of honor, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be upset. If Jimmy Smith uh, was in there. Um, he's got the numbers, the, the franchise numbers to really back up that argument for sure. Um, and like I said, I mean, he played, he played like a Raven. I mean, you, there's a lot of guys that of course you would mention historically on the defensive side of the ball before you get to Jimmy Smith, but ultimately you will arrive at Jimmy Smith's name when you talk about some of the best players uh, that the Ravens defense has had throughout their history. 
Absolutely. So good luck to you, Jimmy, in your retirement. And uh, we just hope that, you know, I, I believe he's still in the area. So, you know, I'm sure we'll see him around. It'll be cool to, to see him, uh, you know, sometimes at the practices. Because, you know, that's what the players mm -hmm. do. When they get bored, they just come up to the practice. Oh, yeah. He said he'd be around more. He said he'd yeah. be around more. So we'll, I'm sure we'll see him. Absolutely. So thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. From Cordell to me, this is Winnie Ryan.